Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, here with my co-host, the pet expert himself, Mr. Rick Pruce. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Lee, and how are you doing today? Oh, I am happy and basically uh, looking forward to this more than a lot of other shows that we do, Rick, because you know what happens here. We are a local pet show, and we have a ton of great local, really intelligent people who come mm-hmm. on our show, but it's just not very often that we're able to book one of the smartest people about pets in the world, not well, just locally. Yeah, not not just pets. I mean, specifically cats. The most impossible pet <laughs> to kind of feel like you can get a handle on, right? Yeah. If there's any, if there's a animal that is in larger presence, as in people having them, right. with like very little, if nothing, out there in the way of assistance, right? You know, really. Uh, when you have cat behavior problems, you know, you're at a loss and you're frustrated and you don't know what to do. More importantly, the cats yeah. that are in that quandary, you know, because they're only doing what cats do based on the surroundings that they're dealing with and their own genetics, right? right. And so you get this response by its owners that says, hey, you are doing something wrong. Right. You are bad. You know, this has to change or we have to get rid of you. You know, and at times I'm sure cats get euthanized for behavioral problems. All of those things kind of can be somewhat troubling because we are pegging it on the cat. Right. It is their responsibility, right? Right. We're only what, humans? Right. You know, the reality is is we are humans and we are responsible for them and we need to figure out how to conquer those issues. More importantly, I think this guest – better than any that we've ever had on cats, should be able to tell us how what kind of steps can one take to help reduce the likelihood of this even being a problem. Right, yeah. No, there's no question. When you've got a question about my cat's doing this, what should I do, and you ask other people, usually the response you get is, oh, mine does the same thing. And then when you say to them, well, how do you stop it? And they say, I don't know. (laughs) And it becomes a mutual commiseration society as opposed to when you have a dog problem, you can think of half a dozen trainers off the top of your head who could help you with these issues as opposed to, I don't know, what are you doing? I don't know. What are you doing? I don't know. So, you you know, there are people that are experts at this. (laughs) They're just much more fewer and far between. Right. And to be able to get somebody on the radio that can talk very with a strong sense of authority on this matter, I think if nothing else, it can help you filter as you call and you try to find somebody that can help you, you know, you'll know what questions to ask. Right. right? No because question. You may about not it. necessarily in a one hour show come up with the solution to what your cat problem is. We may not even be talking about your specific cat problems. Right. But maybe you might get the idea that maybe there is hope, there is opportunity and and maybe then start 
giving a sense of optimism and finding those solutions. Well, I hope this also is helpful to you because pretty soon you're going to have a neighbor across the street who's going to probably have a number of cats who might come over and visit well, over at Bruce Pets. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so for those who don't know that are listening, it's exciting because uh, the cat, uh, Constellation Cat Cafe is moving into the building that was Sukasa, and we're pretty excited about that. And if you don't know enough about the Cat Constellation, the Constellation Cat Cafe, just do a Google search. You'll see, uh, you'll you'll learn all about them, and you'll realize of the, the reason why we would be so excited about having them move next door. But you're right; more <laughs> questions will be coming in the door about cat behavior. <laughs> no question <laughs> and, about it. And I'm sure they'll have individuals on staff and are familiar with individuals that can help with cat behavior problems. Right. Well, it's just going to become a big issue for you and for all those of you out there who have cats it's not a small percentage of the population that have them and if you want to get information we've got coming on this morning the best-selling author and cat behavior expert Pam Johnson Bennett uh, she is a best-selling author of eight books on cat behavior and training she starred in the Animal Planet UK series Psycho Kitty which also aired in Canada and is one of the most popular and sought-after cat behavior experts in the world. She's a pioneer in the field, has influenced a lot of people working in the field today, and she started making house calls back in 1982. So uh, I'll do the math for all of you. That would be 41 years ago uh, yeah, that, that she began doing that. Yeah, that would be like when I was in college. Right. So, so that was a bit down there. Yeah. So she's been doing this for many decades, approaching a half century, and she published her first book in 1990, but she is just someone who you'll see her on TV, you'll see her in magazines and newspaper. As a matter of fact, uh, she's in the Hall of Fame for Cant's Cat Fancy magazine, so uh, you don't get there easily. So Pam's going to be on. This is our second time having her on the show. She was on a couple of years ago, but we're hopeful that we'll get some good information and some good questions. And if any of you have any questions, please send them to us on our Facebook page, and we will forward them to her uh, for responses because she seems to be very willing when it comes to sharing her knowledge and her information so or you can contact her directly but that's what we've got in store this week on the mid-michigan pet expert talk show on 1320 wils Welcome back to the mid-michigan pet expert talk show on 1320 wils we're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Rick, we have with us on the line a returning guest. Uh, her name is Pam Johnson Bennett, and she is a best-selling author and cat behavior expert. Welcome to the show, Pam. Thank you. Oh, our pleasure to have you. Uh, Pam, first question that I want to ask you, I just I, I don't understand it. Why aren't there other people 
or as many people doing what you do as there are, for example, when it comes to dogs? When, when someone needs a dog trainer, I don't know a person who can't think of a half a dozen off the top of their head. But when someone says, you know, I'm having some behavior problems with my cats, <laughs> and all I can think of at this point is, have you ever heard of Pam? You might want to read her book. <laughs> well, fortunately, there are more people doing it than when I started out. Uh, but it's still, as you said, the the, the amount, uh, the number of people who are doing dog training and dog behavior compared to cat behavior. Is, I mean, you can find a dog trainer, you know, probably every few blocks. But I think it comes from, even though we've come a long way in understanding cat behavior and the need for recognizing that, that they can be trained, uh, is there are still so many people who view them as low-maintenance pets. And so why bother? You know, they either have that attitude of, oh, I don't have time for a dog. I don't want to have to train. So we'll just get a cat because, you know, the cat comes automatically litter trained and, you know, we can keep them outside. So a lot of people have that attitude that they're low maintenance. And then when a problem comes up, they don't understand why. So then they just put the cat outside rather than deal with it. Um, so I think that that's still an issue. And it's even an issue on the medical side. More dogs visit the veterinarian still than cats do because mm -hmm. people feel cats don't need that that annual checkup or, or any of those things that, that dogs need. So we've come a long way, but, boy, we still have so far to go. So my question would be this. So that's not an unusual thought process for sure, and probably you are right. That's probably a driving force as to why people don't think to train a cat. But if you were advising individuals on how they should be thinking, what is it that one should think about when they're thinking about getting a cat? What is it, what should their state of mind be when accepting that responsibility? Well, first of all, don't get a cat as a substitute for a dog because you don't have the time. If you don't have the time, you really don't have the time for a cat either. It's still a relationship. It's a living creature that deserves your attention and deserves to be trained and loved and cared for. But if you're thinking about getting a cat, cats are smart. They're easily trainable. You know, they just have maybe different motivation, you know, whereas the dog may get so happy when you jump up and down and squeal baby talk, you know, when they do something right, the cat will look at you like you're crazy. <laughs> the cat would rather have a treat. So find what the cat's currency is, basically, you know, what motivates the cat and start training from the very beginning. Train the cat. Uh, you can train cats to do you know, anything dogs do. You know, cats can do all the fun little tricks, but, you know, right away, get the cat acclimated to being comfortable in a cat carrier so that you can take the cat to the veterinarian. Train the cat to recognize their name so that they come when called. All of those things can be done. Um, and put that time into it, and you'll see they're, they're so smart. I mean, all the cats that you see on TV and in movies, they've been trained. They're not magic cats you know, who have this spectacular ability. They've been trained, and training is really easy. My approach is to use a positive approach. Figure out why a cat needs to do a behavior and kind of set that cat on the right path. For example, if the cat's scratching the furniture, don't just yell at the cat and try to stop the cat from scratching the furniture. 
recognize that scratching is an important behavior in a cat's world and figure out what does the cat need so that they can scratch on something that's acceptable. And that means like getting the right kind of scratching post and putting it in the right place. So it's just thinking about, you know, okay, what does this cat need and how can I supply it? Now, when you think of something as simple as scratching and you have, let's say, a sofa for which, you know, you're off to this, you, you didn't anticipate this, and then you find yourself in a problem. Is there a way to walk through not only providing them with alternative places to scratch, but also safeguarding the things that you don't want them to scratch? Is there a way that you can communicate to the cat in such a way that it gets it? You know, it's not just let's do it here or there, but it's over here instead of here. Well, cats, the reason, for example, on the subject of scratching. Yeah. The reason they may scratch your sofa is that it meets the needs of what the cat is doing. You know, right. it's tall, it's sturdy, it's not going to wobble, it's not going to fall over. It's important with every behavior to understand why a cat is doing something. That way you can supply what the cat needs. So you look at the sofa and is it that you don't have the right kind of scratching post? Is it a short little wobbly one? Or maybe you don't even have one. Or maybe you have the best one, but you you didn't put it where the cat wants to scratch. So it's important to look at why the cat is scratching at that location and on that surface. Then, for example, if you don't want the cat to scratch furniture anymore, you cover that piece of furniture with something smooth like a sheet or there's double stick tape that's made specifically for this purpose. Um, so that you make that area uh, not appealing, but then you offer the better option right there. So the cat goes over to scratch the sofa and thinks, oh, this isn't any good, but wow, look at this. This is even better. Yeah, 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 yeah. You take that approach with anything, whether the cat's jumping on the counter or any behavior. You look at why is the cat doing it? Because we tend to have this attitude of punishment. Oh, I don't want the cat to scratch, so I'm going to squirt him with water and I'm going to chase him away. Or I don't want the cat on the counter. I'm going to keep pushing him off. But we never get to why is the cat doing that, a needed behavior. So what can I do to provide something that will be acceptable to both of us? So if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is climb into the mind of the cat, and that's where the answer lies. Hence the book, Think Like a Cat, which was, you know, my approach was stop looking at it from our point of view, because I get calls all the time of, you know, Pam, can you train my cat to not do this? Can you train my cat to not do that? Well, we're looking at it as in a vacuum. We're looking at it as, you know, I don't want my cat to be a cat and engage in this normal behavior. So what, what can we do to allow the cat to have that? Even something like eliminating outside of the litter box. You know, we have this attitude of punishment. Oh, my cat's being spiteful. He's stupid. Uh, I've got to get mad at him when he does that. Instead of looking at what is the cat saying? Is, is it a medical issue? Is the cat in pain? You know, and I'm not paying attention to that. Or have I not set up the litter box correctly? Or is there something going on in the environment that's making the cat feel they can't go to the litter box? So my approach and my guidance for for cat parents is look at the underlying cause of the behavior and remember that every behavior serves a purpose. 
for the cat. We may not like it. We may not understand it. But it's important for us to figure out why the cat is doing it, and then you can provide a better option. Well, that makes me wonder. Our producer before the show asked me to ask you uh, why his cat would relieve itself on the burner on his stove. And now I'm thinking the answer might be that uh, the cat didn't like the food that was being cooked (laughs) or something like that. I'm not sure that the cat's taking that much of a leap, but in that kind of situation, the three-step approach, you know, here's my three-step radio answer, you know, is first, always go to the veterinarian to make sure that there isn't a medical issue. When You don't want the cat to suffer one second longer than they already have. Once that's been cleared, look at the litter box setup and make sure it is clean. It's the right size litter box for the size of the cat and it's in the right location. And I go through all of those things in my books and on my website, you know, to take you through the, the checklist. And then if you determine that the litter box is, is set up right, then there's something in the, in the household dynamics. Very often cats who, who eliminate on elevated surfaces like beds or countertops or tables, they're, viewing it, they're doing it for a safety reason because they, they can see an opponent coming and nobody can ambush them from behind. So a lot of times people who have covered litter boxes in multi-cat households, the cat feels trapped in that litter box. There's no escape potential, and they probably have been ambushed at some point. So they find another place to eliminate that provides them that escape and more visibility to see their their enemy approaching. Yeah, it's one of those things. Even I imagine a time back even in the days of, uh, you know, the westerns and you're worried about getting shot you know the most vulnerable time is when you're behind a tree and without your gun you know (laughs) (laughs) and And the more and yeah and the more warning time you have you know just okay sticking with the western thing you know you're you situate yourself so that you can see that that enemy approaching on horseback or whatever, you know, as far in advance as possible, you know, and that's what cats need. Cats need, especially in multi-cat households, um, pay attention to the dynamics and because there's usually a reason if it's not medical, there's, there is a emotional safety connection as to why a cat has chosen a, a certain spot. If it's, behind the sofa or if it's in the guest room that doesn't get used or if it's on an elevated spot, where they go is often a big clue as mm-hmm. to why that's happening. And and the one thing that you go to your first rule, you know, they do have sometimes urinary blockage and other issues that would, you know, basically you're their caretaker and they know that they don't know how to fix it and they want to be like, in front of God and everybody showing you that you they have a problem. Is that right? Is that why they don't go to the litter box? Or what is it that when they have a medical issue, they don't cooperate with the litter box? Well, when it's a medical issue, it can be the urgency. If it's a urinary tract infection or, or kidney issues, it can be it hurts to have any amount of urine in the bladder, so they just want, they need to relieve themselves right away. Or it hurts to urinate, so they hold it as long as possible till they can't they can't make it to the litter box. Uh-huh. Um, or they associate the litter box with the pain they feel. Oh that, yeah, that's yeah. a common thing with cats. And so, 
anytime a cat very this is one reason why I don't like electronic litter boxes um, because I feel that you scooping the litter box on a regular basis gives you the ability to monitor what is or isn't happening in that box every day. If you notice the urine clump is larger than normal or smaller, or you see the stool is harder or there's diarrhea, or you maybe haven't seen any stool in there for days, you know, that, that becomes a valuable tool for you as a red flag that you can inform the veterinarian. So there are many times, like with the cats I've had over the years who, you know, fortunately have lived long lives, it's been what's happened or hasn't happened in the litter box that alerted me, "Uh uh-oh, we might be, you know, in the start of kidney failure. Better get this cat to the vet because the urine clump looks larger than it normally does. We're talking this morning with Pam Johnson Bennett. And Pam, we need to take our first break. But when we come back, I'd like to continue the conversation and talk about some other issues related to cats that I think you're going to know the answer right here on 1320 WILS. Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS. It's 9.35 and we're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we're talking this morning with Pam Johnson-Bennett, who is a best-selling author and cat behavior expert. And she also has a company, catbehaviorassociates.com, where she takes questions and answers a lot, has her books for sale. So this is a great lady to talk with. And Pam, continuing our conversation from where we were, when it comes to training cats, how difficult is it if you are a multiple cat owner versus a single cat owner? Because I, I can't say I've been through training with cats, but I have with dogs, and it's so much easier when you've got an individual versus when you've got uh, basically a pack that you've got because everybody wants the attention on them. It's kind of like kids. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You know, yeah. But uh, cats learn from each other. So I always recommend if you're thinking about getting your first cat that you consider getting two at the same time because you're going to want a second one. Cats are that wonderful, and it's easier to start out with two. But when it comes to training in a multi-cat household, start with their social structure is built around resource availability. So make sure you have enough of everything spaced around so that if you have two cats, have three litter boxes so that there's always an available litter box and one cat doesn't have to cross another cat's path. So one more litter box than you have cats. Set up, you know, scratching posts in various areas and napping areas and make sure that cats have that resource. That's how out in, in cat colonies, the community cats that we have, they all get along and there's a very complex social structure, but it's built around the fact that there's enough resources for everybody. So set that up in your home and that sets the groundwork for your cats getting along. Then when it comes to training, no matter how many cats you have, make sure you're doing 
you're getting all the basics done in terms of paying attention to what each cat needs. If you have a cat who's scratching the furniture, you know, deal with that and set things up in the right areas. And you'll see that the cats will learn from each other. They're observational learners. So you may see that if one cat starts going over to the scratching post instead of the sofa, you'll see the other cat doing that too. So it's really not hard to, to train multiple cats because they're very smart and they watch what the other cat is doing and almost going, hey, I like what he's doing. I think I want to do that too. It would be most important to start with the first one or two and be on top of it and know that you do have something that you have to work with so that later leadership uh, makes sense. You know, you don't need a, a problem child leading the rest of them. <laughs> right. And also, it, when you have it, let's say you have one cat and you're thinking about adding a second one, think about the fact that you're picking this pairing. They aren't. So out in out, outdoor environment, if that cat came into the colony, if he didn't really fit in, he'd kind of be pushed out and he'd move away. But in our home, we bring home the second cat thinking, okay, I've, I brought a buddy for you, but it may not be a good match. So try to make a good match. Match complementary personalities. Don't try to match exact, like if you have a, a real assertive go-getter cat don't get another one like that but then also don't go to the extreme and get a real shy cat try to get personalities that'll be complementary and then do a very gradual introduction because you always have to remember you picked this pairing you're picking that roommate they didn't so you owe it to them to go very slowly and very positively what about um you know, I actually am in a position where I have an elderly cat, George, love him dearly, but unfortunately he's 20 years old and um, won't be around much longer. And then I have Trudy, who's about seven years old, and she's just an absolute sweetheart. Um, when George passes away, um, I wouldn't want necessarily my cat to be a, an only cat, but, but uh, beyond temperament is there a need to consider going with a kitten or would it be more important to go with an older cat or at that situation how what 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 do I do at that crossroad well first of all you have to let the surviving cat go through the grieving process and then you you evaluate hey is she happier now being alone as she gets older because she's seven she could be I don't know, nine years old or 10 years old, you know, by the time the other cat passes away and you evaluate that situation at that time. I do advise people if you have an older cat and cats are considered seniors at about 10 years old and plus, don't get a kitten because kittens have no sense of territory and they just think everyone should be their friend. They kind of are like little puppies that way. And that can be very stressful for the older cat. So a big mistake I see people make is they'll have a senior cat. You know, they might have like a 14-year-old cat who they feel is slowing down too much. And so they get a kitten to kind of revive that cat. And it ends up being a disaster because the last thing a senior needs is more stress in their life. So 
my advice would be evaluate the situation and make sure that your surviving cat isn't actually happier at this point in life being alone. And then if you determine if you determine that she would benefit from another cat, uh, depending upon her age, I would advise against the kitten and maybe get you know another older cat uh, and try to match complementary personalities. But we tend to rush into things. We tend to think, oh my gosh, you know, my cat's going to be lonely. Let me go get another cat. And the surviving cat is still in the middle of grieving, doesn't understand what's happened. And then all of a sudden they now have to deal with the intrusion of an unfamiliar cat. And that's Mm -hmm. also unfair to the newcomer coming in because they're really moving into very hostile territory. Sure, sure. Now, uh, if somebody is thinking of getting their first cat or have done cats before and it's either worked out or hasn't, but is listening to your words of advice, is there a series for which you would recommend book reading in your situation? The books that you have, you have several of them. Is there one that they should first pick up and read and why? Well, if you have never had a cat before or you feel like you did it all wrong, um, Think Like a Cat takes you from considering getting a kitten all the way through the training and and older issues, everything. Catwise does the same thing, but Catwise is written in a question and answer format, and I wrote that because a lot of shelters use that so that when people call, they can go right to the section mm. that they need. But it's still as detailed and goes through everything from kittens to older cats. If you are thinking of getting a second cat or you already have a multi-cat household, then Cat versus Cat is the book because that is written totally for those of us who have more than one cat or are thinking of getting another cat. Well, that's very helpful. And tell us a little bit about the type of interaction one might be able to have with you personally through, uh, it sounds like you do have some a type of internet interface of where, where people can connect up with you? Oh, it's so easy to find me. Uh, you can either go to my website uh, and click on contact me. Uh, I don't, I can't answer email questions without doing a consultation if it's kind of involved because, you know, I need to know the history, but I do virtual consultations and there's information on my website there. There's also lots of articles. You might even be able to find the answer to your problem without you know having to spend a penny. Um, but you can also find me on Facebook, Pam Johnson Bennett, or on Instagram. It's think like a cat. Uh, so I'm, I'm really active and I try to, even though I definitely would love to sell books, my goal from, for everything I do is to make life better for cats and for you to have the relationship you always wanted with your cat. And I wish that we didn't need people like me doing what we do. I wish, you know, cats didn't have to go through this, but that's my joy is when I see that people are happy with their cat, that there's no more fear on the cat's part and the owners aren't angry with the cats anymore because they understand them better. That's what I live for. Is there any statistics out there that would reflect, you know, we have that preconceived notion that you brought up at the very beginning that they're a low-maintenance pet and that, therefore, no problems will happen. And I'm wondering, and I think we're going to need to take this on the other side of our break, but I'm wondering if there isn't, you know, some 
better understanding as to what percentage people have issues with cats, if you follow what I'm saying. If the perception is that there isn't a problem, but what's the reality? So maybe when we come back, you could answer that, and then maybe, and, and we'll still have plenty of more questions for you. Right. We're, we're talking this morning with Pam Jensen Bennett, who is a best-selling author and cat behavior expert, and we will get that answer and more questions after the break on 1320. W-I-L-S. On a morning from a bogart movie In a country where they turn back time you go It's the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Here are your hosts, Rick Cruz and Lee Cohen. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning all about cats and their behaviors and how to get one and basically everything you would need to know from the lady who knows everything you would need to know or pretty darn close. It's Pam Johnson Bennett. And Pam, Rick asked you the question before the break. We'll let you give the answer. Well, sadly, most cats who are relinquished to shelters, I work a lot with shelters, and the cats are relinquished for litter box issues or for aggression. Litter box issues far and away first. And they're usually problems that were easily fixable. But the cats get labeled. Oh, I ha- you know, we're getting rid of this cat because, you know, he just pees all over the place. And then the cat gets labeled as a cat who doesn't eat the litter box. Or a cat bites somebody, you know, bites the child in the family, and the cat gets labeled an aggressive cat. And we don't pay attention to what the circumstances were that led the cat to do that. So I hate when cats get labeled. I hate when any animal gets labeled as aggressive, you know, um, or bad, you know, a cat, an animal behaves in a certain way because of a certain set of circumstances doesn't mean that animal will behave that way all the time. So sadly, more cats are relinquished for things like litter box issues. That seems to be the deal breaker. And then it's hard to get the cat into another home because nobody wants to adopt a cat that they already know has litter box issues. But I will tell you that because a cat had a litter box issue in a certain home does not mean that cat is going to have that same issue. So just don't pay attention to those labels. Uh, that brings up the thought. Homes have their energy. That is, you know, homes have six kids. Homes have one child that's really laid back and 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 uh, connected, one that might be running anything around the house that uh, that moves. Give us an idea of the home for which one might consider twice about thinking about bringing a cat home. Is there a house that really doesn't fit a cat's lifestyle? I would say, regardless of whether you have children or not or what your household is, do you have the time to put into this relationship? Because it is a relationship. Because I have, I I know people who are single, but they have terrible problems with their cat because they didn't put anything into it. So I think it's a matter of, are you going to put the time in if you have children, if they're old enough, make sure that they learn how to interact with the cat. Uh, And then you're setting, I, I have two kids, and when they were small, I started right away teaching them how to how to read cat body language and how to approach the cat and how to respect the cats, what the cat was saying, whether the cat wanted to interact or not. So, you know, my kids are great around cats. So it's a matter of 
what you put into it. Sometimes younger folks will have more energy to put into it, right? Parents have a lot of responsibilities, and maybe getting a cat may not have been the best decision for a very busy lifestyle, but a child may not necessarily have the same busy lifestyle. Right, and just keep in mind that you know, if you have children, and you're, or if you're very busy, getting a kitten, a kitten requires more care than an adult cat in the beginning, right? You have more veterinary appointments. You have the kitten proofing to do. You have the training to do. So that might be a decision, you know, that determines whether you want to get an adult cat or a kitten. So, and kittens are a little more fragile. So if you have young children, you know, um, you know, maybe a kitten is not a good idea. So look at your situation. Look at what your family is expecting. You know, if your family is expecting the perfect, well-adjusted, wonderful cat, and you go to the shelter and all of a sudden your heart breaks for this poor little cat cowering in the corner, that may not be the cat for you because you're going to bring home a cat who needs a lot of patience and understanding, but yet your family wants, you know, the perfect cat. So, it's very hard to go to a shelter and not, you know, just have everyone pull at your heartstrings. So just make sure you know what your family expects, what you're prepared to do, and then find a good match. Uh, through your books or from articles that you have um, uh, published and, and available, is there a guidance one might have if they're thinking about going to adopt a cat of ones that are going to fit in their home or things that they should look for? in the way of, like, that cat that's going to fit in? Is there guidance? Right. In in Think Like a Cat, I go through all of, you know, before you even get a cat, thinking about do you want a cat from a shelter? Do you want, <clears throat> excuse me, do you want a cat from a breeder? You know, are you thinking of adopting, you know, a kitten that, you know, your neighbor's cat had kittens? Uh, and thinking about what would be best for you and how to do a good match. Also on my website, I have an article about, you know, choosing a cat before things to think about before you bring a cat home. Now that is really helpful. And yeah. I think, you know, we can't possibly bring enough to the public in a one hour talk show to give them the help that they need. But knowing that that resource exists uh, can be invaluable. No, so. no question. Pam, how important is breed? when it comes to behavior with cats? Because uh, sometimes there are just certain breeds that don't mix well. I'm thinking among dogs, when you've got a herding dog, uh, that can, they don't always get along with every other breed of dog. Is the same thing true with cats? I think with cats, the breeds get along. Uh, it's more a matter of if there's a certain tendency in a breed, whether you want that or not, or whether you're, you may love the look of a certain cat, like a Persian, but then you maybe bring the Persian home and realize, oh, I don't have the time to groom this cat every day. So I think it's more a matter of making sure that, you know, you're picking, if you're picking a specific breed, that you realize all that may be required in, you know, in taking that cat. Uh, but I think when it comes to cats, it's more personality-driven and how you introduce them, and how you have set up the home so that everyone, there's enough resource availability for everyone. And when it comes to dealing with outdoor cats, uh, what is your thought about that? Are you an advocate 
for allowing your cat to be an outside cat or is your concern no keep them indoors because the feral cats uh, may not mix and play well and you might end up with a trip to the veterinarian? Well, I have always been a very strong, I have a very strong opinion about cats being indoors. I feel it is safer for them. There are so many unknowns, whether it's cars, other animals, uh, parasites, you know, cats getting lost. I just feel that they're safer indoors and that you can create all the fun of outdoors indoors by playing with your cat, creating environmental enrichment, things for the cat to do. Uh, That being said, I am very impressed and I have done this myself at times with walking cats on leashes in your own yard. Uh, you have to do the training, harness leash and harness training indoors for a long time to get the cat comfortable, make sure they're on flea control. And uh, not every cat is a candidate for walking outside, but, uh, you know, that's an option. Or to create a catio, those enclosures, yeah, I've seen uh, those. so that cats can enjoy the outdoors. But I just feel there's too many dangers. There's too many people who don't like cats who might, you know, not like your cat coming into their yard. And I would hate to think, you know, that they might do something. Um, I just take great comfort in knowing that my cat is safely indoors every day. That just, I mean, there are, you know, sure she could, you know, still get sick and, and something happen. But for the most part, there are so many things I do not have to worry about. So from time to time at the pet store, there are individuals that come in with various types of uh, anything that might be even strapped to their back, uh, maybe just on a leash, but they'll bring their cats into the store. And I'm always a bit anxious about that, but I'm just curious about your insight as to whether or not is there a cat type that would be um, agreeable to something like that or would in most situations that probably be a uh, less desirable thing to do? It's If you have started your cat out with that and you've done a lot of socialization and helped your cat become very comfortable with being around different people and wouldn't react if they're walking around the corner in the pet store and all of a sudden there's a big dog. But for me, even in that situation, I have a very well-trained cat, very well-trained. But I'm telling you, if I had her in a situation where she got terrified, she would become, you know, a fur-covered chainsaw. And oh, I don't want to have to all hold bets, that. All bets are off. I don't want to, I, I wouldn't want to put my cat in that kind of situation. Right. Thank you. Thank well, you very pa- much. Well, Pam, we want to thank you so much for coming on with us today. It's been a great program, and we look forward to speaking with you again. Uh, if if we can. We've been talking with Pam Johnson-Bennett uh, and Rick. I've, I think we could go three hours today and <laughs> not keep anybody at all uh, from leaving the show, but we can't do it. So, uh, But on behalf of Rick Bruce, on behalf of Bruce Warner, our producer, this is Lee Cohen, wishing all of you a great weekend and a great weekend. We'll talk next weekend on the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Of which direction completely disappeared.